What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of Behind the Facade. This week, I am back from my honeymoon, and uh, the system worked brilliantly. The uh, automatic uploads, they did the two episodes while I was away, so I'm delighted about that. It's been a real relief. And so I'm back. First of all, I had a great time on the honeymoon. Thanks for the various messages a couple of you sent in to me. So what are we going to talk about this week? Well, I've, I'm back in the office, and I've been looking at the newspapers and things like that, and it seems that there's a lot of warnings about sort of economic doom and gloom on the horizon. And uh, it's something that I'm starting to see an awful lot more of. And uh, the fact that it's, it's being put out there so often starts to kind of become a self-fulfilling prophecy. You know, people see this and they think, oh God, I better not buy. And so it kind of creates the recession, even though maybe it wouldn't have happened had people not been talking about it. So it's one of those chicken and egg things. But what's really become quite noticeable is um, inflation. And I'm sure you're all seeing it at the petrol pump or you're seeing it when you're buying your groceries or when you're paying the bills for the utilities in your house and stuff. Eurozone inflation rose 8.1% from a year ago in May. So they had been predicting a rate of 7.8% and the rate has come in at 8.1%. So all of a sudden, this ECB are kind of on the back foot. They didn't think it was going to be this bad. And they're now mulling um, increasing interest rates. And this is going to put pressure on the property industry. It's going to put pressure on kind of pretty much all things. And it's not just that they're going to increase rates. They're thinking about, you know, how quickly should they increase them? What should the rate go to? All of this. And this is going to be the first rate hike in over a decade. So it's going to have an impact. Now, on top of that, we have Elon Musk saying that he has a super bad feeling, that's in quotes, uh, about the economy. And he's declared that he is going to lay off 10% of the workforce in Tesla. Now, that equates to about 10,000 jobs being cut. So there's a lot to discuss here, a lot to get into. And the state of economy, how you should prepare for this, if it indeed it is going to happen. But first, let's get into the intro. You are listening to Behind the Facade, and I'm your host, Gavin J. Gallagher. On this podcast, I explore the mental and emotional game often playing out subconsciously, both in your mind and the mind of everyone else in the real estate or property investment market. The key to success in this game is to master your mindset and behavior, to take control of your thoughts, your emotions, and most importantly, your ego. Welcome to the show. All right, guys, welcome back. Um, so the wedding went off to plan. The honeymoon went off to plan. We were in Sardinia. It was absolutely beautiful. And I had Granny manage to uh, mind the kids for the 10 days. And so it was just myself and Ilga. And we had an absolutely fantastic time. And I really, I've come back to the office like feeling super relaxed, super ready to kind of get stuck in, you know. And actually the, you know, the creativity that is boosted because you go away and you take a break and stuff like that. It should not be underestimated. I know a lot of people out there, you know, you're really busy, you're working hard and you kind of think, I'm too busy to take time off. Uh, you know, taking time off is not going to get me, you know, to accomplish my goals, things like that. I can understand and totally relate to that emotion. That's how I feel most of the time. But you know, having gotten married, the honeymoon was the thing that was kind of expected. So we went and we booked a nice honeymoon. 
And having gone away, I won't say I went away reluctantly, but I kind of thought to myself, I've got so much on, really, should I be taking this time off? Decided to throw caution to the wind, went on a nice honeymoon. And now that I have the perspective of having gone on it and I come back, I'm like thinking, wow, you know, what a what a superpower it is to actually go off and take 10 days off. And I didn't look at anything to do at work. I got stuck into a book and I got stuck into kind of a personal hobby of mine and did nothing to do at work. Did a couple of, you know, workouts in the gym and things like that, but I've come back with a ton of energy and I strongly recommend anybody who is feeling, you know, the pressure at the moment and feeling like they're overworked and stuff, just to to get a break, get away, and don't bring any work with you and come back refreshed and you'll find that your productivity is much much better than it would be if you stay and crack on and just kind of try to work through what you're feeling so anyway look let's get into the main topic of the day and i've already mentioned the eight percent inflation and elon musk's um you know points that he's putting out there about the, the the economy he was already the person that predicted a while back you know that he predicted some sort of recession mid-year and now all of a sudden here he is saying that he has a super bad feeling about the economy and he's talking about a global freeze on hiring in his company and he's also talking about laying off about 10% of staff and this could tie in in some way with the comments that he made during the week as well on work from home and he's come out with this pretty brutal kind of attitude that if you want to work from home, then you can go and work for somebody else from home. He says you need to come into the office 40 hours a week minimum. And that is, you know, there's no excuses basically for any, you know, there's no exceptions uh, except for very, very specific ones that he will personally decide upon. And now don't forget he has 100,000 people working for him. So it's going to be a pretty slim number of people that have that exception granted. Um, so... With all of this talk about, you know, recession and, you know, people like Elon Musk coming out and saying all this, you got to kind of start asking yourself, maybe there is something to this, you know, maybe we really are going to see a severe uh, recession. And I can remember way back in 2006, I can remember feeling this, getting this kind of feeling, mm, there's something in the air, you know, and it didn't quite take hold yet but it was you saw the occasional headline and and things like that and people started talking about the pundits started mentioning it occasionally and it starts to grow and grow and next minute after a while everyone's talking about it and then what you start to see is you start to see you know property agents coming out and saying oh you know there's no truth to it the market's still strong and all that and and they have to kind of say that a lot of the time because if they don't say it, you know, they're kind of saying, yes, prices could be falling soon. And so you got to kind of, you got to look at it from, uh, you know, you got to stand back a little bit from this, okay? And you got to think about it carefully. And like nobody wants us to go into a recession, but if it's coming, you've got to be prepared for it. And you got to make sure that you put yourself on the best, your best foot forward for this. Now, a report came out a couple of days ago and it, it's a pretty sort of scary prediction. Like there's, there's different opinions on the level of uh, recession we're going into. You've got a, a kind of unprecedented situation with all of the stimulus that we had over the last few years, and that has triggered inflation. And at the same time, we have a war between Ukraine and Russia going on, 
and we have this pandemic in China going on at the moment. And this report has identified these and it says that there are five conditions that they consider are trigger points for a total global economic collapse. And now that's a very sort of scary figure and a lot of uh, scary title, we'll say. Don't forget the amygdala picks these things up. And because of that, newspaper headlines tend to go with these very dramatic headlines. And so don't necessarily read into the total global economic collapse and start panicking. But one of the things that they've said is that liquidity in the US dollar is falling fast. That is one of these conditions. Number two is energy prices are spiking out of control. And that is, I think we're all feeling that at the moment. I filled up my car the other day and I just keep on thinking, geez, the amount I'm spending on petrol and diesel these days. Global trade has been really badly disrupted by a couple of different factors. We have already, you know, coming out of the COVID pandemic and stuff like that, we've already got all these supply chain issues and there's delays on cars. There's all sorts of supply chain issues. Now, those supply chain issues are not even resolved yet because currently China is going through this Omicron crisis and they still somehow believe that total lockdowns are the solution. And they're not turning, they're not changing their mind. And so you have places like Shanghai that has like 25 million population. They're being shut down and you have to stay in your home for five days and stuff. So this is having a massive impact on supply chains. And then, of course, don't forget, you've got Russia's invasion of Ukraine. You've got restrictions and all this kind of stuff going on. And, uh, you know, just generally speaking, global trade has been badly impacted. Um, I've already mentioned inflation is out of control. And then first time uh, since 1945, we have a ground war in Europe. And so fear, investment, risk, all of that is at an all-time high in the opinions of most money managers. Now, top it off, and this is kind of pretty much in line with what we've just been talking about, Jamie Dimon, who is the head of JP Morgan. Now, JP Morgan's you know, pr basically the biggest bank in the world and um, hugely powerful uh, American bank. And it, its head has come out and said that there is a hurricane, an economic hurricane coming. And he can't say yet whether it's a category one hurricane or a category five hurricane. Now category five, for those of you who don't know, is you might've heard of Katrina, which devastated New Orleans years ago. And there was also Sandy that uh, you know, turned uh, New York upside down and ended up with a load of buildings, kind of two floors underwater and stuff. That is, he doesn't, he doesn't know yet, but he thinks that there is definitely a hurricane coming. And the, the reason he says it is because it's impossible to predict. You know, if you look at the economic history, you can see situations. And a lot of the time you say, well, the last time these conditions happened, we, you know, we did this and this was the result. Now, that's all fine when you have the conditions that are matching and you have some sort of thing to look at and say, this is what worked the last time. In this case, we have absolutely no comparison. All of these factors have never happened at once in history. And therefore, it's very, very difficult to do any prediction or forecasting at all. And this being the case, 
it just makes people a little bit nervous because you really don't know what to predict. Now, a lot of people out there are, you know, ever optimists and they think, look, the market will just settle itself. I've heard people say that before, back in 2007 and 2008. And there was this kind of throwaway kind of feckless comment. It was like, Asher, look, you know, in 12 months, everything will be back to normal. And it took about six years for things to get back to normal. Um, so, you know, let's not ignore this, but let's not be... You know, um, let's not just overreact to it either and become overly dramatic. To top it all off, um, you know, inflation in the EU has hit this all-time high, which is another negative factor to all this stuff. So what does that, all that mean? What it definitely means that bank rates are going to start creeping up. And um, as the ECB has already said, they're, they're mulling the rates, the rate hikes, and it's going to be the first rate hike in a decade. And it already America tends to react quicker than the rest of the world and they're very very quick to kind of up their rates and do whatever so if you're borrowing money for property in the uk or in the us at the moment you're already looking at rates that have effectively doubled now in the us a lot of the investors that i've spoken to i've had them here on the podcast they all look at these 30-year fixed rate mortgages with freddie mac and um, fannie mae which are the big mortgage providers in the us and those guys have you know you could go and you could lock in your mortgage for 30 years at two percent interest so you're effectively looking at you know just a tiny amount of money every year for the next 30 years and that's it you're sorted that those rates are now five percent and over and so you're in a situation where they've more than doubled and so all of these millions of people in the u.s who bought a property and locked in their rates for 30 years they are not going to be able to get out of that mortgage. They are not going to be able to sell their property because to buy another property, they're going to have to stop paying the 2% and start paying 5%. And so there's a lot of people that are saying this is going to have an impact in the market. And this is going to mean that you know there's fewer sales and probably demand is going to fall. All of this stuff is a bit of an issue. Now, I don't think... That is quite the same issue that we have here in Ireland or in the UK, because I don't think people go for these. Well, certainly you can't lock in for 30 years here. Um, you might be, you know, people might lock in for three to five at the most. And usually it's quite an expensive option. So a lot of people don't do that. And so that being the case, I don't think it's so much of an issue here. But let's just assume for a second that there is an economic shock coming. Um, are you ready for it? This is a question that I really think you should ask yourself. And I don't mean just, you know, are you ready? I mean, really give this some serious thought and think to yourself, okay, what if, it's a great exercise to go through is the what if exercise, okay? So economic downturn often means job cuts, pay cuts, reduction of revenue if you own your own company, all of this kind of stuff. So ask yourself, if you're, employed and if you're on a salary like if you lost your job tomorrow how are you fixed most people it's not a good it's not good news to be fired but how quickly could you find another job are you in an industry where there's tons of jobs out there and if that's the case fair play to you whether you're a doctor or a nurse or something like that perhaps it's different but for a lot of people these recessionary times they come and what happens is your job cut happens whilst revenue because revenue is falling in the business and it's usually sectoral and so if you're working in a certain sector 
uh, all of that sector tends to be suffering from these same kind of falls in revenue. And so other companies may be doing the very same. So suddenly, instead of it just being you losing your job, it's a lot of people in your industry losing the job, all seeking work at the same time. If that's the case, it could be actually quite difficult to find work. If you had a cut in your pay, let's just say theoretically your boss calls you into the office and say, look, think things are difficult, the market is, you know, um, starting to kind of fall back a bit. We've got all this extra inventory that we had to buy because of the supply chain issues and we no, don't have anywhere to sell it at the moment. We're going to have to reduce your salary. And so we're going to do a cross the board. Every single employee in the company gets a 15% reduction. How would that impact you? Think about your paycheck being reduced by 15%. What does that look like to you on a weekly basis, on a monthly basis? And it's what I said already, you know, think this through carefully because any savings that you did have are obviously going to be impacted by that. But on top of that, you also have the cost increases that we're going through. So your 15% pay cut would be coming at a time while all of a sudden we're already paying all this extra for fuel, all this extra for food, all this extra for, you know, energy for the house and things like that. So it could well be that it's a double impact. It's, it's the cost of things going up and at the same time, your falling income. And so you really do have to think this through. Just say, you know, how would I be fixed in the event? Now, one of the reasons why I kind of bring this up is because there was a study during the week that I saw as well. And it was a study in the US and they found that 75% of millennials in the US that earn more than $250,000 a year that more than 75% of them live paycheck to paycheck. That, and that, that means that basically that every single paycheck is what they need to get through to the next month. And so what was really interesting was that the older generation, um, the, the boomers, is there's the boomers and then there's Generation X, okay? I think I'm Generation X. Generation X, basically, those, that generation, only 25% of them live paycheck to paycheck if they're earning 250 grand. Now, funnily enough, when you're, those that were surveyed that were on 150 grand a year, they didn't feel the same pressure. And so there's an awful lot of lifestyle choice that's kind of thrown into this issue. And uh, it's really, really interesting when you think about it. Like the more money you make, there's a mindset shift. And what you start to think is, right, I'm earning all this money. I have to live a certain way. And I think things like vacations, you know, me coming back from my honeymoon, there's a perfect example. Some people will opt for a cheap package holiday. Others want more luxury. And you feel like you deserve the more luxury, but that is obviously eating into your income. Also, there's various things, you know, the way you live and uh, your, your overhead, your costs, your school fees, whatever it might be. If you're a millennial, probably you don't have school fees yet. Um, I'm certainly feeling that these days. I've got five kids going through school, so you can imagine what my overhead is like. So you have a look at your life, have a look at your financial situation, and just have a think about if you're currently living paycheck to paycheck, it's time you have a serious think about what you're doing with your money. Um, it's time you start saving money if you haven't already started. Um, it's, you know, investing, maybe it's too late to invest. Maybe you should hold back. Just build up um, a reserve of funds in the event something bad were to happen, like you have a pay cut or you get you know, fired. And there's a thing called the abundance mindset. And you know, don't 
mistake this for me saying that you should not have an abundance mindset. I very much believe in the abundance mindset. But the issue is that the opposite to an abundance mindset is a scarcity mindset. And a scarcity mindset is quite a debilitating kind of mindset to have. So I don't think that that's necessarily the answer. I think an abundance mindset, though, do not mistake this for reckless financial recklessness. And um, I think it's absolutely critical that you have a buffer of cash that would give you the ability to live for six months without any uh, paycheck or any, you know, it's just your rainy day fund. It sits there. You don't dip into it for anything. It's just there in the event of. And if you don't have something like that, you are, you got to admit you are pretty exposed because if you lose your job or if the company that you work for starts to kind of get into trouble or you have to have some sort of a pay cut, you are exposed without that kind of buffer to sitting there. So just consider, can you cut back on your expenses? You know, expensive trips, you know, dining out all the time, uh, having a, you know, a latte a couple of times a day. Do you know what I mean? People, they don't realize that, you know, you go into Starbucks or whatever and you go and pick up uh, a latte or whatever, a cappuccino or something like that. It's like f nearly four euro. Four euro times two, eight euro a day. You kind of think it's only eight euro. Yeah, but eight times five, you know, that's 40 euros a week. And then multiply that, that's 2,000 in a year that you're spending on that. And that's 2,000 that could be sitting in that fund, that buffer. And that combined with all of the various other things that you could make small cuts on, you could end up with, you know, 100,000 sitting in a bank account. And in the event you don't need this uh, buffer, this six-month buffer, at some point in the future, you can kind of say, you know what, I'm going to actually use it as a deposit towards a property or something like that. But um, just, I think everyone is going to start feeling the cost of inflation at the moment. And so if this recession does happen, it's going to get pretty acute. And um, so I recommend that you just prepare for this. And don't forget, and I've talked about con uh, cognitive bias before. Continuity bias is critical to think about, you know. Continuity bias is the tendency to dismiss or play down threats to the status quo. So if you're used to you know, a nice paycheck every week and the economy firing on all cylinders and all that kind of stuff, you just automatically assume that this will continue to go on. And that is n often not the case. And you know, we've had basically a, you know, a decade of continuous growth and there's no such thing as continuous growth. Like things do stop go back, fall back for a couple of years, and then they come back again. Now, I went through the crash of 2008, and I can tell you the impact it had on my own personal life was massive. Now, I've spoken about this before. I'm not going to go into it today, but I went from making like a fortune to suddenly like scarcity, and buyers disappeared. People that I was trying to sell a property to going to make a nice profit disappeared. Banks started pulling credit lines. They started looking for loans to be repaid. At the same time, the price of the properties had fallen, so there wasn't a profit any longer. A lot of issues kind of doubled up, and I ended up losing millions in that recession. And so I've said it before. I don't think, you know, I, I think Ireland, I'm going to talk specifically about Ireland in this particular case. We have a housing crisis in Ireland at the moment, and it has been exasperated by the Ukrainian refugee crisis. And so I do think Ireland is somewhat insulated from the type of crash we saw in 2008. Having said that, I do think we could be looking at you know, it becoming more difficult to fund deals 
and it's definitely going to get more expensive to pay mortgage rates and things like that and so you know this could knock demand and it could mean that prices fall back a little bit or on top of that you've got the costs of things like it just the co construction costs have gone out of control i think it was one of my friends was telling me that it's not less than 18% increase in construction costs. So you've got construction costs going up massively, and at the same time, you've got you know this interest cost going up. And you've also got a lot of people, a lot of builders have been caught by the inflation. They didn't expect it, and they didn't have clauses in their contracts that protected them in the event of these kind of inflationary spikes. And so there's quite a few builders contractors out there that are feeling this now and one of them has already gone wallop uh, quite a big one recently and, uh, and there's a chance that quite a few others will go under as well because their margins have always been very very tight all right one thing that is for sure is that those people who are in a position to buy a property or buy an asset during a recession those do incredibly well over time now you just have to look at the likes of warren buffett like his old statement uh, get greedy when people are fearful that plays out very much the case and i can remember during the recession here in ireland i can remember looking at the price of property and thinking god if i had the money to buy i could be buying things at a quarter of the price and so if you're in a position to prepare and get ready for it there's nothing like an opportunity to buy distressed property prices when that happens if you can jump in it's going to be a, a once in a lifetime opportunity now before I final finish out, I just want to kind of say I've been looking at crypto a lot. I've been hearing a lot of people talking about crypto a lot. And I read an article recently, and it's just my final point, point on all this. Uh, there has been, because of the interest rates and because of the rising markets and all that kind of stuff, there has been this you know, speculation on crypto for the last number of years. And I think it does have a feeling at the moment very much like the 2000, uh, the 1999-2000 crash, the dot-com crash. And now I'm not saying that crypto isn't you know, valid. I'm not saying that it doesn't have a future. But what I'm saying is that the same kind of hype that got into the dot-com bubble at the time back in 1999, where it's kind of irrational exuberance, that seems to be playing out in the crypto market as well. And what happened in 1999 has happened in crypto. You have so many people making so much money on it that they kind of say, I'm going to start my own stable coin or I'm going to start my own blockchain or whatever it is. And you have now, I understand there are now 19,000 coins of some sort out there, like digital currency coins. And let's face it, 90% of those are going to disappear without a trace. There will be nothing left at the end of a, a recession or a, or a correction in the market. And you only have to look at the dot-com boom to kind of understand that's what happened. Now, the good ones stayed. They fell in price massively, but they you know, managed to stay and they, and they lived through it. And like the likes of Amazon came out of it. So if you have a look at Amazon, Amazon was one of the kind of darlings of the 2000 and uh, 1999 uh, dot-com boom. They went up, up, up in price, and then they fell, fell massively. I think they fell like 80% in price. And when they fell, everyone else was kind of going bankrupt. They stayed in business because they were actually making a profit, and they went on and on and on. And look at them today. They're the biggest company in the world, or one of them.
So the likes of Bitcoin, Ethereum, I do think they're probably going to do fine. They're going to bounce back and they'll be here, you know, 10 years from now. But I think so many of these coins like Luna and, uh, you know, there's UST and all this kind of stuff. Like, I just think so many of them are going to go belly up and there'll be nothing left and it's going to be a bloodbath. And so if you are one of those people that's speculating on it and stuff like that, and maybe you've done well to date, I'm not going to knock that. But I just think if you are all in on crypto, then I would think definitely be prepared to take some of your money off the table and put it into a buffer account in the event that there is some sort of a bloodbath out there and so that you can at least survive for a period of time and figure out what your next move is. There's nothing worse than being caught with no cash and trying to figure out what's your next move. If you've got six months of a buffer, it at least gives you this kind of mindset that, okay, I gotta figure it out, but I've got a little bit of time to kind of get smart and do it properly. Finally, those of you who are interested in, you know, if you've got a contrarian sort of mindset and you're thinking to yourself, okay, in the event of some kind of a recession, I would actually like to double up and dive into the property market. Well, then perhaps you'd be interested in joining my mastermind and getting ready, get, getting all of the, you know, the tools and strategies that you need to be prepared for that. Um, my, my mastermind, it has a, an intake every seven weeks and the next intake is next week. You'll be, this podcast is going live on the 6th of June and the 13th of June is the next intake for my mastermind. So look, if that sounds of interest, um, do check out the links below in the show notes and uh, it's gonna be uh, an opportunity to learn from me. I went through all of this back in 2008. I can remember sitting on the sidelines and just wishing that I had the money. And so I, for one, am sitting back and being ready and will take advantage of a recession in the event that something like that happens. So that's next week. And uh, if any of you are interested, drop me a line and I'll be happy to kind of pick up the phone and uh, chat with you through it. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Behind the Facade. If you enjoyed this podcast or found it useful in any way, please consider leaving a review over on iTunes or indeed share it out with a friend. This helps get the podcast out to new audiences and uh, it is really appreciated by me. If you have any questions or topics you'd like me to cover in future episodes, please connect with me via the Facebook group Behind the Facade community. Alternatively, you'll always find me on social media. My handle is Gavin J. Gallagher. You can also stay up to date with various projects and get details on the various things that I have out there, um, whether it's videos, podcasts, uh, blog posts, uh, and indeed my, my mastermind. You can get all of that detail over at gavinjgallagher.com. So that's all for now. Hope to see you guys next week.